0: Welcome to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Time for our regular weekly segment with the New Hampshire Bulletin, newhampshirebulletin.com to get more of their work. This week, senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons is back. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so the big thing that's been getting a lot of coverage this week is children's COVID shots have been approved for six months to five years, which was the missing age range, and many people are quite excited about this.
1: Yes, the state has ordered about 22,000 doses. Um, 10,000 are here. There are, I think, 13 or 14 pharmacies and then sort of public health centers around the state that are offering them. Um, But the state is really urging people to start with their pediatrician uh, to get in there and get the doses. So it's two doses for Moderna. Except for children who are immunocompromised, they will get three doses of the Moderna. If it's Pfizer, there's three doses for everybody with the probably the expectation there'll be a booster down the road. Um, So I know there's been a lot of misinformation that schools or fear, I should say, also schools are going to require the COVID uh, vaccine that has never been proposed in this state. um, So that and so far it has not. um, So I wouldn't expect that to be added to the list of required vaccines, but it is available now. It'll be interesting to see how many people take advantage of it. Um, There hasn't been incredible interest. Um, in the booster, um, the last time I checked, and the state is really not tracking that in a way that we can see what's going on. There, there's some information in, at the CDC uh, website, but I have stopped really relying on it because none of it feels quite solid. So it's here. You can get it in a lot of places. If you go to the, the state's COVID, Uh, dashboard and website, which is if you search COVID dashboard for New Hampshire, you can pull up a map and see where all of the vaccine doses for this age group are. Um, And again, the state really wants you to start with your pediatrician.
0: Yeah, that's the big, the big difference when it comes to this age range is uh, – I've seen repeatedly. It's like talk to your pediatrician first and vaccines.nh.gov if uh, anyone wants to learn more. I'd be shocked if there was a terribly large amount of, of people doing it. This is such a low-risk age group for the most part. And and when it comes to the at-risk um, individuals that are adults that, that have concerns about a kid bringing it to them, they, they, I think they can even get their fourth shot in some situations, right? <laughs> Mm
1: -hmm. And I think the one concern I've heard is not for health concerns now for a child, but we don't know what long COVID could look like in children. And then if you can imagine the brain fog that accompanies that and the the exhaustion and the fatigue, it could really be tough to keep up with school, to focus in school. So I think that's one of the primary concerns I've heard and therefore an argument to get vaccinated. Um, But I know there's been a lot of concern. We've talked about this before. There's some skepticism around uh, the vaccine. So that's going to continue, I'm sure. Um, So I'll be looking for some numbers to see if we can see how it's um, going over. Um, Not expecting to see too much that I would count on, but maybe.
0: It'd be nice. It'd be nice to sometime along here. We'd be able to get some reliable data and some real information about what the vaccines and COVID ultimately does to people in the long term. But it just mutated too quickly. It, that's the thing. Is With the flu, like you can have a strain float around for a couple of years, and you're able to really see how effective things are. And COVID, it changes every six months. Yeah.
1: It- It does. And I think everyone's doing three things at the same time, like trying to message out, get the vaccine, try to deal with an increase in numbers, pharmacies report information one way, state reports it a different way. So it's just felt impossible to take a breath and say, "Okay, let's rethink our strategy here. There just hasn't been time. So it's the fault of no one. It's just the nature of the beast. But it is hard to get that um, reliable information.
0: So you have a couple of works in progress that you're uh, in the middle of right now that I, th- I think they're both very important stories that um, I've talked about either here at, at, at WKXL or over at my full-time job if you listen to The Legal Impact. Uh, I've sp- spoken with a couple of people, uh, law professors about some of this. Uh, but let's start off with the uh, Medicaid uh, issue with the public health emergency ending. Uh, if you check out nhtalkradio.com and go to the New England Take Feed, I actually spoke to five people about this on a sponsored segment with the Insurance Department. which is totally like oh my god there's a lot of information but the most important thing is there's gonna be some big changes here when it comes to the public health emergency coming to an end
1: yes when that does end and we don't know when it will end some people say october um, end of year end of next year um, but when it does end if you're on medicaid and you have not recertified or been had your eligibility reapproved you could lose you will lose your coverage um because during the public health emergency that redetermination process was set aside it was just a part of the process and it has to remain set aside during the public health emergency but the state is concerned that when that ends I think they've identified 90,000 people that they consider vulnerable. If all 90,000 people call the day that the health emergency ends, a lot of them are going to be without Medicaid for some period of time until they catch up. So the state um, and also a lot of nonprofits that work with the Medicaid population are doing lots of things. Um, The state has gotten some national attention for this pink letter campaign. And maybe you spoke about that with the insurance department Um, But it's going out to homes to nudge them to take care of this recertification now. Um, They'll keep their insurance right now if they don't do it. But like I said, if they wait and they get caught up in that tsunami of calls, they could be in trouble. Um, There's been a text campaign, a phone call campaign. Um, I went to an an event today where they've been providing, um, they provide groceries every week, every once a month, I'm sorry. And with it, they're... Brought this, you know, health and human services folks came and asked people if they needed to recertify. Um, And it's not a huge process for some. I mean, I think for some, it's just making sure your address is up to date and making sure they have current information about, you know, any disabilities or income. And I get it. Like when I've left jobs that I have to roll over my 401k, I just avoid it. It seems so overwhelming to me. Um, But they are sending people. to um, nhez.gov, I think, I should have checked that before we talked, Um, and that'll walk you through the process. And they assure me it's not as hard or overwhelming as it seems. Um, I think one of the challenges is the benefit of the public health emergency is your Medicaid is not going to end That's also the problem because it's not ending. People are not feeling like the urgency to get in there and do it. And the state is really saying, please, please, please do it now um, because we can't handle 90,000 calls um, the day it runs out. So that's really important for people to get out and do that.
0: Yeah, and it's nhez.nh.gov uh, if you want to learn more about that. <clears throat> and the the Navigator programs out there are in full swing. They've 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 got so many contractors out there right now handling it. So I spoke to three of them on the interview I was speaking about, um, as well as the. The general uh, ACA Navigator program can help you with this. So it's uh, if, if you look at ACA Navigator, just Google it, Affordable Care what it stands for. Um, they're taking care of the online, but if, if you are an at-risk person or you know someone that's at-risk that maybe doesn't have – Great technology skills or has a problem on the phone. It seems like a lot of hospitals too in in the state are also able to assist with it hands on. If you just go to the financial aid office or the billing office at um, your local hospital, they should be able to direct you to where you need to go.
1: And the navigators as well, if you are found no longer eligible, they will help you get to a plan, another kind of marketplace plan. So it's not Medicaid or nothing. They're there to help you find uh, sort of a soft landing so that you will have some coverage. So don't be afraid. I guess the message is if you um, feel you may be no longer eligible because it is going to end whether you do anything or not. So go to a navigator and have them help you out. And uh, increasingly, we're seeing navigators who are speaking multiple languages. Um, WellSense has a team, they just uh, signed someone on who's certified in American Sign Language. So they're being mindful about diversity, you know, and thinking not everyone can access information the same way. So I think that is a great resource for people.
0: Yeah, so definitely check it, out, check it out I just want to put it out there one more time nhez.nh.gov if you want to learn more about uh, what's going on with it and keep an eye out for that pink slip that might be coming from the government if you're a part of this program because that's the that's your notification that you got to go figure something out and um, if you're unable to continue to be on Medicaid there the the, the uh, New Hampshire Insurance Department has all sorts of resources for what to do for further assistance because the insurance marketplace is still there I feel like everyone's slowly forgotten over the years about the obamacare and the affordable care act but all those programs are still there going strong
1: Mm -hmm. right and it doesn't help that there isn't like a great little catchy lingo it's you know it's the unwind process it's the redetermination process these are not like roll off your tongue sayings like think of it as you snooze you lose i mean that's how i'm thinking of it you've got to do it now or you will regret it um so yeah
0: we I mean, need some better people in the uh, PR industry for the uh, for the the health industry. I don't know what the deal is with it. I saw that entirely through COVID. I'm like, will you guys hire a PR person to speak for you instead of this this doctor that speaks directly to patients and is not used to mass communications, which is a totally different thing.
1: Right, right. there's a filter there called "make it speakable to normal people," um, <laughs> yes. and that would be highly effective. They're not alone. I mean, it's it's an it's an epidemic of its, of its own. <laughs>
0: All right, let's move over to something else that you're in the middle of uh, getting out the door. Also, there's some community health outreach that's going to be expanding, I believe you said, in the Manchester area that's focusing on diversity and being able to reach people that speak different languages and such.
1: Yes, the um, Manchester got about $43 million in American Rescue Plan money. And the city was really unique in that it had done a community survey. You know, if we we're getting this money, what do you want to happen? And they're doing all kinds of things, like some obvious things with infrastructure. Um, they're offering nonprofits money, uh, grant money to host community events to just sort of deal with the isolation piece that was we all suffered during the pandemic and there's this other piece it's pretty significant it's called the community health worker program and so they just uh, introduced the team this week it's uh, eight people every ward in the city will have someone assigned to them and these are people who will go out you know when you call the police worried about your neighbor this is now the person who may go make that first contact because those well checks the city found that 90% of them do not require police involvement, therefore a social service or health or food kind of need. So the idea is that these folks would go out, um, maybe respond to the, your need for food, and then you're they're there and they see you need all kinds of other things. So they are now sort of your personal social worker, um, connector, they will help you fill out paperwork, they'll connect you to resources. Um, and what I, really struck me when I went is all of them are from all kinds of places. They, there's multiple languages between them. They have degrees. They come from Rwanda, um, Nepal, Nigeria. They are all residents of the city. Um, and it's just the, exactly the sort of diversity that organizations often talk about, you know, we want our police department to look like the community. We want our public health department to look like the community. And they've really done it here. Uh, So it was just, uh, it was really interesting. They're very excited to get out there. Um, They're coming from a variety of jobs. Some have been community health workers. um, Some have not, some have been in Manchester a long time. Some are newer to it. And when the city talked about it, they said, Their hope is not only that people will see a friendly face coming to them who can speak their language, but also maybe have a lived experience where they've had to overcome an adversity and just be able to come from it with that lived experience. Um, so we'll see how it goes. They've slowly been hiring the team. They, like I said, introduced them all this week uh, and the city will have some information up about how to reach them. You'll be able to call them directly. You won't have to go through the health department. Uh, and so my story should come out early next week. I'll also have in there the contacts for each of them. Um, so it's just really interesting to, to be there. The police are on board with this. It's a, it's an interesting initiative that we've not seen other places um, do. And of course, Manchester is one of the most diverse um, cities in the state. And the public health worker said, these are trusted people from the community. They're going to be able to do more themselves, one of them, than a whole city department will be able to do in terms of, you know, trust and really understanding where someone's coming from. So it was sort of like, you don't often get to do positive news stories in this business, um, so this was a nice one to be able to to do last week. So look for that next
0: week. That's awesome. And Manchester is like the perfect spot probably in the city to pilot something like that where there's, there's already so many issues going on there. They're in really dire need of help in certain areas of the city. Mm-hmm. It's also the place where the population density is the highest in the state. So you're able to reach more people without waiting or traveling all over the state thats the issue with the the 988 emergency numbers that rolls out is to mm-hmm. up in the the lakes region if you have a van up there that's supposed to be responding to people i mean it could take them a couple hours to get to from place to place and if you're in manchester right. i mean it could be 10 minutes
1: right they're, they're all right there and because they live in the city they they know the city they know where they're going and it's they're just already there um, so it's going to be really interesting to see where they how this goes um, I think they'd like maybe eventually to give all 10, twelve wards their own person but they want to see you know they want to scale it up before they figure out what the need is they will be adding a person dedicated to seniors and their needs so that that will be coming on um, I think the hiring has taken a while because they've been so Um, intentional and committed to looking for folks who can connect with the community in different ways. Um, And the police said, you know, for us, not only does this let us get back to our police work, but we're not as good at this as they are. So it's a win-win, you know, for us and for the residents of Manchester. So it was just a nice, um, bright, we call those brights in the news business. Every once in a while, you get to write a bright. So there you go.
0: So going to a downer, I guess, for the last three minutes. <laughs> we go to the what we talked about the YDC situation a couple weeks ago from this Sununu youth development center. I mean, where where's that currently standing?
1: The state has put up on its website uh, the AG's office. If anyone cares to go look at it, it's grim. I wouldn't suggest it, but they have put up a rubric that will. Um, just kind of guide how they are going to decide how well, how much money each victim gets um, and it's very difficult like you read that and you understand sort of very clearly the level and kind of abuse that went on for the children who are held and there's hundreds uh, so you know one type of rape will pay this much another type of assault pays this much there's multipliers for, you know, rape that ends in pregnancy, rape that ends in a sexually transmitted disease, um, rape that involved more than one staff member. And so it just, you start to get a really difficult picture about how bad this was. Um, And so the state says, this is our offer to victims. If they wanna come through this process, we'll have, you know, it won't be invasive like it would be if you went to court, it's a very different process. You'll fill out a claim, they'll verify information, there won't be depositions or interrogations, and then they'll work through this rubric um, and make you an offer and you can accept it or not, um, or you can appeal to what's now gonna be an administrator who can try to come somewhere in the middle ground. Now, having said all that, um, the attorneys who are representing about 600 victims and the Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence are very, very concerned. They're not happy with this process. They feel the awards are too low. It's $1.5 million for rape, um, 150000 for physical um, abuse. And when you have two rapes, it's not twice the money. It's It's some multiplier. You get enough, you get 20, 200,000, maybe for one rape and maybe an additional 0.25% of it for a second rape. And so, you know, they say the, the more you times you're assaulted, the less worth they see in it. So that's their view of it. They will be challenging it. The AG's office said that they are seeking input and feedback on how they've designed this process um, in the rubric. And it still is in development. The um, there has to be the Joint Legislative Fiscal Committee has to approve it ultimately. So we'll see where it ends up. I would expect it would look a little different eventually, um, but that's, that's where it is now. It's on the Department of Justice website if anyone does want to take a look at it. Um, and we link to it in our story this week as well. Um, it's not intended really. There's not a portal for this public to provide feedback, but the AG's office said that if there is something you want to add, that they would you know, be open to hearing it.
0: Sorry oh. for closing on such a depressing yes. note, but it's very important information to get out there. So senior reporter Anne Marie Timmons, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, it was great to see you. N- NewHampshireBulletin.com if you want to get all their articles. I'll also link all the, the uh, articles we talk about at NHTalkRadio.com with the on-demand version of the show. You'll listen to WKXL in the morning. We'll be right back.